All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for watching this episode of Modern Wong Chat, where I talk with my friends and guests from different industry. And tonight, uh, we have D1. And again, you know, this show is live on Twitch. So we're doing this currently Tuesday to Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Of course, you can watch this on youtube.com slash Modern Wong Photo, as well as find me on Twitter, Instagram, um, and also other social media platforms. I do also have some bonus content on Patreon as well. If that's something you're interested in, feel free, uh, but no pressure. Uh, as I said, tonight I have D1. I have met D1. I don't even know when I met him or how I met him, but ever since I met him, I keep seeing him like everywhere I go, like literally nonstop. It could be a random Friday night. I'll be out at a bar and then like, Oh, it's D1. And I bet he can say the same for me. We have a little inside joke about <laughs> that happens all the time too. Uh, he's big in the uh, fighting game community. He's just accommodating. Uh, he is Twitch streaming right now. But let me start off by uh, congratulating him for hitting a 1K sub on, uh, on Twitch. So that is a big accomplishment. So D1, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, man? Thank you for having me, of course. Um, I just wanted to say, dude, like, it's been crazy. Uh, it has been crazy. Yeah, just seeing how things have changed for the boy. Like, um, I used to work at Twitch for five years. Twitch was mm -hmm. I loved working with the, with the team there. But I really, really, really loved just content creation and to make the big jump into that and to see an overwhelming amount of support from fellow members of the community that have been around when I was uh, um, already streaming back then. And mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. cool to see just, yeah, the overwhelming support from everybody, um, even in during the times of COVID, right? Where my mm, plan, yeah. I was gonna do content creation, but at the same time, I also wanted to focus on uh doing a lot of shows right like remember we talk about we see each other everywhere so everywhere <laughs> <laughs> so you probably would have seen me at a convention at a tournament something like that and i was hoping to do a lot of shows then once covid hit i was like well um time to marathon stream and i've been i never took a day off since covid hit i just kept streaming every single day and I've been more busy since COVID hit too. You know, uh, people, everyone's just like, oh, Martin, you have more free time now. And I was like, no, I am actually even more busy than before. So, yeah, dude, that's it's crazy, right? You, people would think that now that you're stuck indoors, that mm -hmm. you wouldn't have, you know, you, um, you probably wouldn't have as much uh, time to do things, but you do have a lot more time. You'd be more busy or you wouldn't be as mm -hmm. busy. Yeah. Free time. But yeah, I feel, like it's, it's, I, I feel like it's pretty extreme. I am definitely become more busy because, you know, all our events has canceled. I've been doing events for the last like over 10 years. So um, that's usually my circus. You know, before this, I was supposed to go to a convention every other week. So now with that cancel and change, I have to be like, oh, cool. Yeah, I guess we're not doing that anymore. So I need to find new ways to for both work and entertainment. So everything. Yeah, man. By the way, apologies. Uh, Spectrum internet is weird. So. Dude, Spectrum sucks so bad. Yeah, that's probably why it looks so pixelated. I, I was like, <laughs> I, I have 
one idea. But anyway, uh, if you don't mind, I could like do a little hop in and out for like one frame and I might be able to find a remedy. That's if you're down. Yeah, yeah, sure, for okay. sure. I, I was like, you know, you. Hooray! All right, we did it. Okay, we're good. We're, let's go back. Make sure we're back. Yeah. Dude, you, right. look, you look amazing right now. <laughs> right? That's kind of crazy, dude. I was like, what the hell? Like, Is that a secret switch that you know? <laughs> Do you just call the Spectrum CEO and say, hey, I, I, need, I need some uh, some bandwidth? I was like, I need backup, and they 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 came through in the in the clutch, dude. I'm I'm lucky. It's funny because people were saying like, you know, Walgreens probably has better internet, and they might be right. <laughs> they might be right, dude. Yeah, yeah, no. Jeez, what a trip. right now it sucks. Like, uh, one of my friends, uh, Stella Chu, I think after five p.m. for her, her internet just completely just useless, like really useless, and she's streaming, right. Normally she stream like one to five. She has to because after five p.m., her in her upload is less than one megabyte. Last time she posted 0 0.08. Yeah, that's really bad. that's really <laughs> that's really bad internet, dude. Like I have the opposite. It's totally the inverse for me. Uh -huh. I don't think I can stream earlier than the evening times. If I do mm -hmm. afternoon, if I do morning because of the whole situation that we're dealing with the pandemic i already live with two other streamers and mm -hmm. to have spectrum and like three streamers in the same house all you know just like killing the internet dude there is no way dude there are even times where there might be they won't be streaming on a weekend and i'll mm -hmm. stream on a weekend and we still have shitty situations with the internet like, so with the pandemic everyone needs internet like mm -hmm. everybody, but they still, just, and the problem is that it's very like a uh, gang kind of style where they're like, oh, this turf is mine. And that's, you only get spectrum or AT&T and other area. You only get certain internet because they yeah. lobby it that way. So it's just not enough competition. That's the problem. Like I'm yeah. from Hong Kong. Our internet is amazing. What? Like it's, it's ridiculously fast and it's really cheap too. Like people will beg you to sign up for the internet. It could be like, 40 bucks a month and then we were talking about like you know gigabytes internet already i'm like yeah what <laughs> so yeah i'm yeah, paying as I much as I, I mean i'm paying the highest level that i have right now and i have another streamer in the house too and this is i mean the second highest the next highest that they have to like take the house apart and install cable or something but it's not my house so i don't know about that but we're already pay, paying the highest as we can we were paying the business uh plan already so mm -hmm. Yes. It's funny because I met one of the um, people that work at Spectrum. Uh, he's pretty high up there, I think. Uh, at oh, hello! Send me their information. What the heck? right? At that uh, was it. What event it was? Uh, it was in the LA Convention Center. Was it E three? 
No, no. Was it this year? It's either last year E3 or um, some other, you know, industry event. Uh, and then he told me, and then he instantly said, I said, oh, I, I said, oh yeah, I, I, he said he worked for Spectrum. I said, oh, I use Spectrum. And then he instantly go, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> he knows, he knows. <laughs> he knows, dude, he knows. <laughs> he knows, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a well-known phenomenon and he, he, he can't do anything about it, uh-huh. you know? Yeah, dude. God dang it, dude. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just how it is. I actually, I remember when I started uh, dealing with a lot of crappy internet situations because I know there're gonna be times where mm, there might be like some surprise Nintendo Direct out of nowhere, and everybody who's part of like the Nintendo streaming community, they are always excited to see to to stream their reactions. To mm-hmm. something that they don't know is about to happen, but they know it's going to be hype. So they're like, mm-hmm. "Oh, oh my god, guys! We heard 6 a.m. Nintendo said be <laughs> ready Thursday, uh, 6 a.m. PST. There's going to be a stream. Everybody's awake, and when you have crappy internet, that just puts a damper. Because I remember one time, um, I tried to do a Nintendo di- the direct reaction, or I looked at the Animal Crossing direct out of a hotel room, and the hotel had crappy internet. I asked for premium. They didn't even have premium, which to me, they're lying probably, but they didn't give me premium internet. And I was like, I'll pay. And anyway, mm-hmm. I streamed it. When I looked at the, the VOD, it was so choppy and I felt really bad for my editor because he tried to salvage it too. He really yeah, it's did. tough. And uh, he was like, do one. I did so much to try to f- fix this. I, I, I just think we're just going to pull the plug on this one. So yeah. Um, do you know Roger? Roger's bass. Yes. Absolutely. Hello. Uh, <laughs> yes, Roger. Roger. He when I used to live in the Sky House, Roger, the first time I actually got a chance to really hang and meet him, he came in to the Sky House and just started randomly singing music. I think it was because like it was <laughs> like Shofu and Roger and a bunch of other people. And I just remembered here, I will show you the world. And I'm like, what the heck is this <laughs> Disney kid doing here? But Roger, yeah, good vibes, dude. I love that guy. Yeah, he 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 was on the show a few weeks ago, and he mm-hmm. said the same thing, you know, about uh, you know, the Nintendo Direct stuff. Cause yeah, I heard that they give you pretty last minute notice. Like, yeah, it's not like a week or two weeks or a month. It's more like, yeah, hey, by the way, two days. In two days, we're gonna have a one. It's like, wait, what? Yeah, yep. like it out of it feels like out of nowhere all the time. Yeah, being a Nintendo fan is kind of rough because we always feel like there's some kind of a disconnect with that company i think it's uh, also japanese yeah yeah like, right so and it's and, a very and, different you know, culture whatever, there you go you hit the nail on the head right they're so stuck in their ways whereas mm-hmm. if it's america they will recognize the trends and they'll try to adapt japan they will they're traditional in many different or you know customer in many different things mm-hmm. that they do and they will stick to that until yep. The old people that oversee these companies like pass the mantle down to a mm-hmm. younger person because the younger generation they're more willing to accept uh, many different things such yep. as esports, which was a thing that in Japan, when you think of, talk about esports in Japan, certain companies are like esports gambling, you know. And mm-hmm, Nintendo is mm-hmm. one of those companies that, unfortunately, d- you very know, is conservative, there. very uh, traditional, you know. Very like, very because of that we have so many amazing smash pros who could be like double lift and all these other big time league of legends personalities who are getting mm-hmm. like you know cake we have 
Fortnite that came in out of nowhere and we got like oh, Booga, yeah. who won a tournament, super young guy and overnight celebrity. Boom. Just one yep. of these, you know, seven digit number tournaments with, with crazy pipe. And then know, on top that price. sponsorship and everything. Yeah. 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 Like I tried to work with Nintendo before too and also other Japanese company. But as you said, like I feel bad for the American side because like Nintendo America, because their hands are tied. They have to... Yeah. Follows, you know, follow suit with what they're doing over there in, um, in Japan. So they just have to be like, okay, cool. We'll we'll try, we'll try our best, but we cannot change the way they do things until, as you say, maybe the next generation come on in. You're 100 percent right about that. Like, they Nintendo of America. Whenever I speak to them, they always give me hope that. <laughs> But, you, you know, they always have to answer to the motherland, right? Mm -hmm. And um, you have to wait. If they approve, then you get to see cool things happen. I'm happy Nintendo Versus is a thing that's super cool that that happened. And because of that, I think Nintendo is slowly but surely moving in the right direction. They're trying. It's mm -hmm. I just don't, you know, I, I understand how the hardcore fans of competitive gaming feel. And they want to see them go full-blown in comparison to all the other companies that already understand how esports is. But one of the things that makes me not get so salty or angry is because as a devout Nintendo fan of many years, before mm -hmm. I joined a competitive scene, I've understood that they're always keen on innovation, always trying to stand out, do things differently. Mm -hmm. If you just look at their systems, right? Oh, their we systems always, yeah. A perfect example, Nintendo 64. And the other side, PS1, these guys mm -hmm. are using disc format, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas Nintendo, we're still going to use cartridges. And then finally, with GameCube, they use discs, but, uh, optical discs, but it's like barely any space. 1.5. Mm -hmm. The smaller one. Like yeah. Really small. I can't remember mm -hmm. the, the capacity, but it was definitely small. Yeah. And, um, you know, whereas like you'd look, look at the other systems and they had way more space on the discs, mm -hmm. even though, like, like when we talk about PS2 versus um, GameCube error, well, yeah, game, game, uh, PS2 can even do double layer um, DVD, yeah. so that could be 9.8 gigabytes. And yeah. I think the small one, the 3.5 millimeter uh, disc that GameCube used, I think it's like 3.5 gig or 1.8, 1.8 gig, 1.8. Okay, I'll I think it's 1.8. I, I and I don't think they had double layered discs until they don't they not for those ones. Brawl for Wii, yeah, not for Wii yeah, exactly. no, because Brawl is a DVD. That's the difference. The, yeah, yeah. The yeah. small one, the three point five millimeter DVD, doesn't have that. They're mm -hmm. cool, but they don't have that. But here's yeah. the thing, though: Nintendo is not that much about graphic. It's always more about the experience exactly. and also the um, the innovation. Yep. Like I. They have, of course, it's like a mix of two, right? You have mm -hmm. the Evergreen, which is, um, you know, Zelda, Mario, all those games that just always going to be around forever. Of course, the but, first party classics. Yeah. Yep. But I really like how they deal with their console or their hardware, you know, because Nintendo 64, as you say, controller is interesting. The Wii is such innovative. I feel that they have paved the road for many gaming industry, um, like, uh, console like PS, PlayStation, and Xbox. I mean, PlayStation and Xbox, the controller looks pretty much the same in the last 20 years. Every uh, single time. You rarely ever feel like they reiterated on that. Yeah. Like, by the way to, uh, or iterate, I think, like, uh, just basically 
re uh, like show us something that, mm-hmm. that makes you feel like oh this is so different and these guys are actually trying to innovate they're still pushing the bar whenever i see their controllers like you said always the same all, all you hear are just new specs it, it basically sounds yeah. like a computer right but yeah, it's just a upgrade but not a it's not innovation yeah but then when you see nintendo they they started uh, introducing like motion control and the moment they did that with their games, you start seeing so excited. Oh, you know what? With PS4, you guys mm-hmm. can actually, you know, shake the controller a little bit. And, giant ball. <laughs> yeah, right. You got a little gyroscope in there or whatever, and all of a sudden it could track what's going on and like things like that. I will give props to Sony trying to bring VR back. I don't know if it's actually gonna stick. I know with the PSVR, I bought it, and the only thing I played was Res- Resident Evil Seven. That's but, scary. Uh, that game is. I saw our clips of it. Playing VR in that game is, oh! I played on hard mode, dude. I scra- I screamed. I screamed. If I play that game, I'm sure my neighbor would think there's a murder happening every night. At the t- that probably me too, because there. Sh- <laughs> I should have probably shared a clip with you. I was playing Resident Evil Seven. I didn't even start the game yet. I just walked over to an area where they had a bunch of crows, and I was playing VR. At a friend who was next to me reading the chat. And it just felt like I, I was so immersed in the world. Oh, yeah. As I walk towards a corner, I hear just birds flying, right? And as the mm-hmm. birds, like just a bunch of black birds flying into the sky, ravens, um, I screamed because I didn't know what the hell was happening. I was like, ah, it was just so amazing, you know? They did a really good job. Oh, yeah. People come back in such a strong fashion, you know? Not so much. I don't know about three, but Resident Evil Two Remake, Resident Evil Seven, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm pretty sure if I play it and I play it every night, my neighbor would think a murder happening. And also to the point, it's like, can someone just kill him? Like, can we just get this <laughs> over with so he can stop screaming every single yeah, night? That, uh, that would suck <laughs> if your neighbor would want you to. Uh, I, I never left a good impression on them. <laughs> they probably think, well, if you have friends, do you have friends over to party? Because you know how neighbors get mad when you have. Yeah. Fun, uh, no, my party. my house is good. We're great. Okay, because like for my house, sometimes we host parties and we have mm-hmm. a neighbor that has two houses down from us. So because we sometimes we have parties on the weekends, we'll literally have like, you know, all the parking lots, parking spots taken. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. The funny part is, sorry, Freckers. Um, <laughs> no worries. Is there are driveways. So if you live there, you don't have to worry about all these parking spots getting taken unless you're a piece of dirt. That just doesn't want the neighborhood to get too busy. So uh-huh. if whenever we have parties, we'll have like this old man. He'll sit on his porch and he'll just look at everybody. And sometimes he'll walk up to my like guests and tap uh-huh. on their windows and try to scare them. You know, and they'll be like, "Who the hell is this random old guy trying to harass us?" So I'm happy that you don't have. It sounds like you guys are good. you have good news. Is they want they want to kill me. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those get out, get off my lawn kind of situation, but not his lawn. It's a public parking space. Exactly. Pretty yeah. weird. That's. I mean, you're gonna have one of those in every neighborhood anyway. Just depends if they live close to you or not. <laughs> and unluckily, yeah. sounds like they're a little bit closer to you. Yeah, dude. I mean, just like you said, right? If everything is too perfect, that might be a little scary. And oh yeah. It might be for a rude awakening. So. Yeah. I mean, we are currently having that situation where we're getting curbed, right? Where it's like, oh, yeah, things were going great and suddenly pandemic. And then everyone's like, okay, 
oh, something is not right. Like, it's completely changed to see how it's like. Um, but do you think that we're going to change? I mean, you've been in the gaming industry for a while. I actually want to know how is your view on this? And especially with the um, FGC, you know, uh, because most of the events, tournaments has to be live at a certain place. Uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to guess EVO is not happening this year yet. I mean, they haven't canceled I, it yet, right? Uh, yeah, they didn't. I don't think there's an official cancellation, but a lot of us are seeing the writing on the wall with the fact that there are events that are unfortunately being announced as can uh, potentially canceled or or you know we we see events in like near the end of may getting chopped and e3 is not a thing right so yep. uh evo is the first weekend in august that's pretty darn close uh, summer I mean, comic con got canceled ax got canceled right yep so, ax comic con all those big ones those are pretty close to evo so I think the uh, Evo is waiting because Vegas is a little weird. We heard that the mayor of Vegas was actually interested in trying to get people to start opening up their casinos. So yeah. that's a weird situation. Like I've been heard of like Texas. There are parts of Texas where people are like, We don't care about the lives of the people. We more care about, you know, the economy. Like we don't care about living. We care about bringing the economy back. And I'm like, oh man, that's trash. So uh, I safe to the best of our ability, because as long as we can actually flatten the curve, it would be good. And if they do allow evil to happen and everybody goes and everybody somehow comes back with some crazy disease, it'll be scary. Because the funny thing, Martin, is mm. that if COVID were there or not, people, whenever they go to cons, whenever they go to big tournaments or just large gatherings, right? Whatever you want to name them. Mm -hmm. Places where big groups of people gather, um, whenever people return home after a weekend of being at a convention or a tournament or some kind of event, they mm -hmm. do something inevitably. There's a lot of hugging, a lot of shaking of hands. Um, people are in close quarters. You know that you could be in a concert, you could be in an after party. A lot mm -hmm. of things, germs are germs do spread since we're in such close quarters inevitably people will get sick and i think the worst thing is if people will overreact and go crazy and think they have covid when it might just not be so for everyone's safety it's probably best for them to avoid the big summer events even though they dearly miss hanging out with their homies i think just for safety uh, even if we do get released from lockdown that mm -hmm. probably change they are probably going to have more of an ocd towards germs, towards being uh, amongst large groups of people, and for good reason, for good reason. Okay, yeah, of course, of, of course. I mean, people dying would not be ideal. I mean, I would rather to be alive than to be like, oh yeah, you're alive? Like, ah, that's fine. How about the economy? I mean, I care about both, to be honest. Like, three things, you know, and I mentioned this on the last few streams, is that you could be caring for the economy. You could also care about people's uh, lives but also care if the government is having too much power. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It's all three. And things keep changing, you know? So we kind of have to keep a perspective to see how things progress. Then we can be like, okay, now we have new information. Then we can make new decision. Until then, yeah, flatten the curve. Like the longer it lasts, it's actually better because it means that we're flattening it out, meaning we're slowly, gradually getting out of it. But if anytime you... It's like one of those video games, right? If you rush too quickly and you die, you have to start back from the beginning. Absolutely. And that's the problem. Yeah. I mean, Singapore is heading a... I heard that Singapore is hitting a second wave right now. 
No, that's crazy. Yeah. So and and I heard when China got released, they still like had aftershocks too. Oh, definitely. So yeah, we might just deal with the same thing where the asymptomatic carriers are finally like exposing other people, you know, unbeknownst mm -hmm. to them uh, to the disease, right? Like they'll probably think, "Oh, you're not exhibiting any symptoms. I'm totally safe. Let's share a drink." You, you, we've mm -hmm. seen that happen so many times, right? Where at a lot of these places, sometimes mm -hmm. people like to imbibe, and you know, there might be like, uh, you know, people of age who mm -hmm. will like just like share from the same bottle. They'll drink water from the same bottle, whatever, and then out of nowhere you catch something like it just happens. You'll be like, oh, I trust you, whatever. You don't have anything crazy. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm done. It's like, a name of convention. And then you just put like pox at the end, you know, yep. like, mm -hmm. or pax, uh, flu or et cetera. So. Complex. Like I, I'm a, <laughs> yeah. I'm a special case. Like I go to conventions every other week before this all yeah. happening. So I have a very high immunity. So I get Same. to be like, yeah, I get to be like, okay, I can share a drink-ish and still be okay because I that's what I do. It's my routine. Like I said, going to events. So my immunity is kind of, you know, built up. But most people who go to conventions less than five times a year, most likely they will get sick right after going to a conventions. Mm, yeah. A lot of events that I attend, I'm, I'm the same as you. I'll go to a mm -hmm, bunch yep. of tournaments. I'll come, I'll come back home and I'll be totally fine. I think only one time for the first time in a very long time, I caught a weird cough that persisted for quite a bit. I don't know if it was bronchitis or whatever, but mm. like it was scary. Every time I streamed, if I laughed at jokes, I would start coughing and it got a lot of people worried. But thankfully, I'm finally over it. I'm back to being able to like eat and not like worry about coughing while at the dinner table or streaming and coughing in the middle of the stream or even casting. Like I had a cast <laughs> at a, an opportunity at Genesis seven, really big super smash brothers event. And they had tons of viewers watching. And while it was happening, I had to keep hitting the cough button to not let people hear me cough while mm. these really important finals matches are happening. I'm like talking, talking, <gasps> Oh fuck. A cough is coming mute. And then I would have to mute myself. And then I come back and I'm watching the videos and the people are like, man, I love these casters. And I'm like, man, these guys don't even know. I was actually dying the dying. entire time, dude. Oh my uh, God. Like I usually, when I go to events, I would bring yeah. a big bag of this just to pass it out. Cause I know people are yes. dying. This is uh, yeah. some cough drops. So. Dude, I usually bring, um, I usually bring emergency, you know, emergency is like the wave whenever i come out to these things like if i feel like i haven't tried it yeah really just take a shot of emergency and i'll feel good sometimes i bring mucinex too as well mm. on flights and the if Ricola, ever, yeah if i ever feel like i get a cold if i just take a cold medicine then it's just more preventative and it actually works yeah um, yeah i think my worst case scenario was new york comic-con last year and when i say worst case it's just me lost my voice for two days and I started drinking and it went went away. That's oh how God. good my immune system was. But I'm kind of worried too because COVID-19, I can't tell if I already got it because I, there was a few days that my throat was kind of itchy, yeah. but that's it. But because of my high immune system, I might have already gotten it. It's just I got to kill it so fast. Uh, so I have a small symptom, but that's it. But it could be just a common cold. So again, I don't know. I, I want to get tests so, tested so I can be like, know for sure 
up to antibodies. So I'd be like, I can, oh, I'm free to walk around now. Or at least you're like, oh, I haven't got it yet. So stay home, be safe and don't die. Yeah, yeah. You know, looking at what you were saying, I think me, what I was going through, it was a really, really bad uh, coughing spell, but I never quite experienced the whole loss of smell or taste. Did you experience that? No, I mean, okay, I'm not. Yeah, my housemate did one of mm -hmm. them. Like, so my house, I live with three other housemates, and that's why I'm guessing we could have all got it because one of them was perpetually sick. And he always have this. He got like six, like three times in the last three months. So it never stopped it. It just keep going. <laughs> and then uh, the other one feels like he was um, getting some symptoms from it, like getting some fever. So he locked himself in the room for a few days. Yeah. So that was the thing. Uh, and the other one is, as you said, lost her taste and her smell. So then that's one of the symptoms. So uh, we're like, we don't know. Yep. Damn, that's scary, dude. Well, but we're all uh, fine now, so none of us were coughing. So yeah, uh, you no, know, Kenson lives with me, right? Oh, damn, dude, that, dude, that guy's the goat, dude. A absolutely <laughs> amazing animator. Oh, amazing that. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but as someone mentioned, like, one thing I fear as well is that if they some of the events, if they skip a year, they might not come back because they are planning always year to year and one one gap could have thrown them off really crazily like especially financially financially yep yep exactly um to suffer a big financial loss during one year might set them back for the next one and it could just result in a pretty bland 2021 for some people but um i think that it would also give rise to a lot of digital events we've seen mm -hmm. that a lot of people now are trying to do things of the sort where djs are doing a bunch mm. of digital events we have like w when it comes to a fighting game community you're talking about how are we affected right all of a sudden um tournament organizers who realize that hey i can't host my tournament let me try to still keep the community active in a fun way right let's toss in a couple of these online events where we know online isn't the best indicator of who is the best when it comes uh -huh. to fighting games because usually fighting games are just laden with uh bad net code but mm -hmm. no, you know um in any event we See, still that's what i wanted to know yeah fun. like that's i was wondering too and i wanted to ask you because if events can happen are they still allowed do they still want to do tournaments online is it going to be a technical issue latency issue or would that be like a cheating issue like how is that like so Looking at the Super Smash Brothers community, the moment they, they started introducing a bunch of uh, Wi-Fi is what we call it. Even if people have to use Ethernet cable in Smash, we always say online. We call online events Wi-Fi events. And the reason we call it that is, uh, I guess, ever since Brawl, um, if ever you went online, it was referred to as people just referred to it as Wi-Fi. And we if people came from the online scene mm -hmm. for Smash. We always call them Wi-Fi warriors. But um, regardless of that, we have a bunch of events that have been happening online. And um, the cool thing about this is that people still have been trying to, like, hire casters and give them, like, compensation for appearing on stream and casting for X amount of hours at a time. People are putting mm -hmm. together invitationals. Tomorrow, I'm actually going to be doing an invitational with um, my good friend Kotaro on his broadcast. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's an opportunity for people to see some of the so, like eight like eight Smash players that people pretty pretty like, um, that they like a lot. 
go mm-hmm. do battle against each other in an invitational format online. So we're trying to do fun things for people yeah. to look forward to, but um, it's still never going to truly replace the offline tournaments. And because of this, we had to suspend the ranking system, right? We had we had a smash tour that the community came up with this year. And the moment the pandemic hit, we had to suspend that. Okay. And we also had to suspend the Panda Global rankings um, so that if there were any events that happened during COVID, they would not count toward the actual ranking because we know that people are barred from traveling, right? Mm-hmm. Even internationally. So because of that, we probably wouldn't want to penalize people that aren't able to attend events if somehow people were still trying to hold live events. And thankfully, we're just doing online. So as far as mm-hmm. online is concerned, the only thing that has really been getting any kind of drama are situations where people have to play another person, then they realize that the it, that there's that lag is present when they play. Mm-hmm. And the common thing that Smashers have been saying is lag test. Um, if they're playing somebody, right, they'll play they, like mm-hmm. they would hop into the um, to the match, and within the first couple of minutes, uh, seconds of the match, they would ask for a lag test because things feel a little weird. Tournament organizer would go and test to see if there's any lag present between the players, and if there is, then the player ends up getting disqualified. And mm-hmm. um, there was actually an instance of a player by the name of Cosmos who is pretty well known. He's like the best inkling player in Smash Brothers Ultimate. And Mm -hmm. he came under fire from the community because there was a situation where he was playing somebody, he felt like there was lag, and then both players showed the tournament organizer their like internet speed. They went to speedtest.net, showed the results, and Mm -hmm. after seeing the results and trying to see if a match could still start, player was saying he still felt lag, And after that, like the tournament organizer went and just disqualified the player. And it started a big like drama because they were like, well, it looked like his numbers were right. Like, I I think that this player who's who called for a lag test is cheating and trying to get other people disqualified and yada, yada. And we had another issue where there was a player from Florida by the name of Goblin, one of the strongest Roy players in Ultimate. He was playing a player called Meister, best game and watch in the world in Ultimate. Meister versus Goblin, it went down to the last game, and the last game he called for a lag test, which mm-hmm. um, created some crazy drama and led to the player not being able to advance in the tournament because of lag being present when he's from Mexico. Meister's from Mexico, so me- mm-hmm. the internet that he has in Mexico is not up to par um, mm-hmm. like the player from Florida's um, internet, Goblin. So. It resulted in Meister not being able to advance, and there was some drama. Like he was like, he was like, you know what? Uh, from this day forward, like I don't, I don't know if I have respect for X player. And then that that started a whole bunch of drama because, you know, he plays a character named Game of Watch, and Game of Watch is a mm-hmm, character yeah. that some people have issues with. They feel like the character is cheesy. So <laughs> because of that, you know, to see a player, it's kind of like Hungry Box, right? Hungry Box plays mm-hmm. Jigglypuff. The character has like multiple jumps has uh, a move in the air that's like a disjointed kick that reaches so far. So it feels mm-hmm. like it's really hard to hit the character. And when you finally hit it's her, box difference. Her, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just so hard to combo the character in comparison to other characters in the game. So yeah, um, as far as like Meister is concerned, he dealt with drama um, and Cosmos dealt with drama. Like it was a lot of uh, like interesting scenarios where people think other people are mm-hmm. tests 
with no integrity. Like they think they're just calling for a lag test to get a person disqualified because they think, oh. So, so yeah, that's the thing. Is it like an aggressive move? Like do people find it like, oh, you call a lag test? Like, oh, you try to start a fight? Like not the game fight, but like, no, are you having a problem? More personal than it actually like, no, I, I don't know if the internet's not working, you know? Yeah. Like I think for the most part that these players have the right, like I actually feel like no one's trying to be malicious here. It's just an unfortunate situation where you're playing online and you know that these matches matter. There's money on the line with this too. Mm -hmm. So you feel like there's potential lag and you're not able to actually play your best. You're going to call for a tournament organizer because you think that somebody may be benefiting off of the fact that there's lag present in the match. Mm -hmm. And technically, if someone wanted to, they can. They can purposely slow their internet or something yeah. to get a different result. It's kind of like even online gaming like Fortnite, if you set it to the lowest graphic, it's possible you can see more because there's less stuff that's showing up. Have you heard that before? That's crazy. I didn't know about that at all. I'm not, yeah. a, I don't, I don't even know <laughs> how to do the Fortnite dances, but I've never like, I've, never, I've like, seen that before where, where someone's hiding in the grass, right? But once you turn these setting graphic settings all the way low, you can see them because the grass are not that prominent. They can't show those graphics. So, dang. So because of that, does that mean? Wait. So if they play at lower graphics, mm -hmm. there's they, less detail. So less less graphics showing up. You know. So therefore, for everybody else playing them. No, it's for you. So you for can you. snipe better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Got it. That's so crazy. it's not technically cheating, but it's just like. That's a weird game mechanic situation. So yeah. um, so that's why offline tournaments are important because everyone are playing at the same standard level and setting, supposedly. Yeah. I'm a big fan of LAN. Like, I think LAN obviously presents a great opportunity for people to play their best, but it's unfortunate that with the pandemic, mm -hmm. you, you know, people are not going to be six feet apart when it comes to that kind of thing. They're definitely going to be within closed quarters, and there's a risk. Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't think anybody should uh, actually like, you know, uh, put themselves at risk and uh, get sick and then get their family sick. So what if you start an underground fight club? <laughs> uh, the first rule to not even talk about fight club, no way. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like if you go underground and start one, it's still, still risky because you, you still have the asymptomatics, man. You know what I'm saying? How about okay. you like set up a place where it's two disinfected box, you know, it's connected, of course, you know, using cable, but it's two different box. You can still stream it live and then the player can show up. They can enter in two different doors. Yeah. Hazmat suits. Hazmat suits. Yeah. I mean, it's doable. I mean, we, 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 we're not allowed to go to bars anymore. So I'm expecting speak easy to have a comeback. We were in the roaring 20s. Speaking, oh my god, yeah. I mean, the great <laughs> depression is among us, dude. What the heck? It's just a repeat. Yeah. Jeez, you're so right about that. Yeah, I would love to have something like that. Speakeasy type underground, you know, uh, events. No more than 10 people, right? It's just like, <sighs> sorry, guys. Awesome. Yeah. You invitation only. <laughs> invitation only events, dude. That'll be crazy. It'll like, uh, so when it comes to our events, like fighting games, it's usually open, not like LCS where they have the set group of teams that a roster mm -hmm. that will fight every week. Um, mm -hmm. When it comes 
smash. You'll have thousands of people littering a convention floor, you know, just having a ball. Uh, everyone's on top of each other watching their favorite player play or cheering on their buddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I can't wait to see that happen again, but I'd probably be more comfortable if it happened in the third quarter, you know? Yeah. Well, so did did you start out as a commentator or did you start out as a um, player first, like a competitor? You, you started competitive first, right? Absolutely. I was, uh, so I saw footage for, to go all the way back. Yeah, bring uh, me all the way back. Bring me back. Going back to the times of Soul Calibur, I had a I had a close friend that I used to play many different fighting games with, like Naruto Gekdo Ninja Tyson series and all sorts of other games. He really like uh, took uh, took a liking to Soul Calibur, and mm-hmm. I did. Link was in it, and we were both like Nintendo fiends. He also was a Sony fan, and it took me a while to care about. Um, Sony games until later, but we both got Soul Calibur and we became rivals in Soul Calibur. Then, when I realized how he was beating my behind in Soul Calibur, I was like, I have to find a way to understand how to beat him. So I went on Google. I was like, I heard Google answers everything. So I went on Google <laughs> to see if I could find like how to beat my friend's link, and I came across the Caliber forum. And the Caliber forum gave me an opportunity to understand all the minute you know all the little details mm-hmm. the character that i played like how fast my moves come out how laggy are they after they come out which moves are safe to use out uh to use as pokes as baits which moves should you stray away from committing to because you leave yourself wide open like some of the things that i probably wouldn't be able to tell with my naked eye being able to have all the frame data all the way down to the numbers right there in front mm-hmm. of me allowed me to figure out how to properly punish my opponent when he played Link. And once I figured that out, I went and played him. He was like, wow, you got so much better. And I was like, dude, all I did was just memorize numbers and then did the math and figure out what's the right move to use in each scenario. And it worked. Um, so that's the kind of player I am. I love being able to just like study the numbers, crunch the numbers, memorize, put it to Very practice. Analytic. Yeah, it's it, that stuff helps so much. So from there, we played a lot of Soul Calibur. We've gone to conventions together and played Soul Calibur 2 whenever there'd be kiosks. And then once I start, once I entered my very first tournament in 20, 2004 for Soul Calibur in New Jersey, I got mopped. But it was quite the experience to um, see like my first round uh, opponent. His name was X um, SC2. He's like one of the best, best IV players. You still remember that literally won the tournament. So because I was fresh, fresh meat. Came into mm-hmm. the tournament, of course, last seed, right? Whereas everybody else was pretty practiced. So they set me up against the best guy in the house. And when I played him, he had a girl hanging off of his shoulder while he's beating me up with his arcade stick. I was like, why does this feel so anime right now? Like, you know, the girl's just like hanging out, like talking to him, and he's just beating me. And I'm like, God dang, this is so embarrassing. But you know what? At the end of the day, it was still cool to get the experience. And then in loser's bracket, I lost to somebody who played this... Um, who has a training partner that plays the same character as me. And I know that guy anyway. So like I'm playing him and I'm like, dang it, you know how to play my character back and forth. And I just got into the competitive scene recently. So mm-hmm. a lot of use, he already saw it coming. So I just went 0-2 immediately, but it was fun. Like they were really welcoming. But I lived in New York. So I wanted to go to stuff that was nearby. Um mm-hmm. so I wanted to find Soul Caliber events that were nearby. But instead I came across melee event that was nearby. And I was like, like 
there was footage of MLG Super Smash Brothers events in <clears throat> on the Soul Calibur forums, and I kept watching. I saw like people like Ken DeMarth, Captain Jack the Sheik, Isaiah the Falcon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I'm like, whoa, these guys are pretty dope. It looks like they're playing a faster version of Smash Brothers. I never knew the game moved that fast. I thought they were glitching or whatever. So I. <laughs> Making more to figure out to learn more about the game, and I joined Smashboards and I studied the game. And you know, Fox was my favorite character there because I love the Star Fox series. So I picked Fox, and I tried to see if I can like inculcate everything that I learned there before the first tournament because mm -hmm. the tournament I went to for Soul Calibur was December 2004. The next tournament for Smash was going to be February 2005. So I wanted to learn as much as possible within those small amount of uh, that small like window. Two months time. period. Yeah, right. Just to get a chance to see how I would do. So I went there and also got smacked there. But it was uh, it, it was super fun. <laughs> still, I still got a chance to meet a lot of people. And I was happier with that loss. I felt more confident, like moving forward. I can probably improve from there. So once we skip a few, you know, going into 2006 and 2007, I actually got ranked in my region, which made me really happy. I was like top 10 in New York City, where before I used to get mopped up really bad. Not, I started seeing myself actually get better and better as I kept playing. And then Brawl came around, and I also was revered as one of the top 10 in Brawl, too, for, um, for New York City in my game. And then 2009, I started to fall out of love with the game because... In comparison to Melee, when I played Brawl, I saw a stark contrast in balance. Like, Meta Knight was just clearly leagues. Oh, yeah. It was just so good. And I've never played a game where I just felt like this character is literally better than everybody. Like, he's actually the best. And it was to the point where I was getting sad because I didn't like the character that much. So I didn't want to play the character. I just wanted to find a way to beat him. But it just did not feel as fun. Kind of similar to how people felt when playing Bayonetta in Smash 4. It's so because a handicap, yeah. So they just felt like they didn't want to play Smash 4 anymore. I totally understand where they're coming from. Because Meta Knight did that to me back then in Brawl. and made me not want to compete anymore. So I pivoted to becoming a tournament organizer along, uh, along with a commentator. And... Mm. I never thought I was like that good at it. I just thought I knew about stuff so I could regurgitate information with my own enthusiasm, right? Mm -hmm. And like we like that. We like the fact that you're so invested in this that you know about this and you toss your own um, personality in there. We want to see you more on the microphone. And I was like, you guys are weird. I'm literally just a normal guy, just like all these people in the community. But if you actually want me to keep doing it, I guess I'll keep doing it. And from there... I just kept getting a bunch of opportunities to keep commentating to the point where being a tournament organizer took a backseat and I became more of a um, an on-camera personality, which mm -hmm. me wanting to take more responsibility in refining that craft. So I started learning from all the other greats in other esports games in mm -hmm. order to understand how to become a better speaker. And I have to say, yeah, it was a, uh, it was quite the journey, and I got to meet a lot of great people like Monte Cristo, Gigi Doa, uh, Paul Red Eye Chalonaire, you know, um, Ultra David, Seth Killian, like Yipes. There's so many legendary commentators out there from many different games all over. Um, Tasteless, Artosis, like all those guys, you know, they all got to help me refine my craft to help me become my own kind of caster in my own special way. 
And um, I, yeah, I just I, I have to say it's been dope because a lot of great opportunities came from it to the point where I was confident enough to leave the corporate life at Twitch and just focus on a coming back to form with mm. this with with, with 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 this talent. Right. I think if this is a thing that people think I'm legit good at, why stagnate the growth of it by having multiple responsibilities and instead just go all in, put all your chips on the table and yep, see. Yep, yep, yep. That's, I mean, that's how I <clears throat> talk to lots of people who ask me the same thing too. It's like, hey, Martin, how can I decide to be a full-time content creator, photographer, influencer, cosplayer, whatever it is that you do? And I always say is that if that so-called side gig or hobby, whatever you have, is taking so much responsibility that it's affecting your day job or whatever your current main one was, then maybe it's time to make that jump. You know, people, people also worry, when do I make that jump? And once you start working for yourself, it's such a rewarding experience because everything that you do is for yourself. And and as I always say this too, you know, doing this, it's not an easy way out. It's, it's much more work. Uh, you know, you worked at Twitch before, you worked at a desk job, you know, nine to five, it's not bad. You know, like you, you go to work, you go home, you're done. You, you, you can just relax and play games and you get a paycheck every two weeks. You know, that was great. But when it comes to... Um, Self, self, like so the good thing is that good and bad thing because i feel like as a self-made not self-made but like content creator you know kind of like self-business kind of thing um everything i do is my doing so if i'm successful because i did good job at it if i fail because i didn't do good enough it's, it's very self-responsible kind of thing yeah so right. um yeah uh i okay i actually have a question for you earlier and there's so many questions i was thinking in between too Oh, one sure. quick one. In the okay. Smash now, since now we're in the online world, do they balance character once like the game is out or the character is released? Like, do they update them and change it a little bit? Um, for which game in Smash. particular are we asking? Uh, we're talking about like uh, Brawl Ultimate? or uh, Ultimate. Sorry, yeah. Okay, so the question is if whether or not they actually like patch the game. Yeah, do they patch it and balance it like differently? Like, for example, you say like for example me melee or like um. Uh, uh, sprawl. I think on, on Wii, like you can't really patch the game. Internet wasn't really as prominent, you know. People play at home, and then if the game is broken, it's like great, you know. Meta Knight's gonna be owning everyone because it's better than it's better than every single stat. It's just annoying. But now everything has to go through internet. Yeah. Is there is there a, are they able to patch it to make it more balanced, like leak and stuff like that? Yeah, so with Ultimate in comparison to different games, like different um, the, the the prior Smash games, right? I, I'd say Smash Four did get balance changes, um, mm -hmm. but Ultimate they've done a way better job when it came to patching. Um, like there was there was definitely a moment in Smash Four's lifespan where they had a really good patch that made a lot of characters more viable. But there were certain characters that they missed the mark on, especially Bayonetta, probably because of the fact that they might have just stopped committing to the game and decided, mm -hmm. well, you know, we're already working on a new Smash game, whatever. But looking at Ultimate, I think Ultimate's in a really good spot to the point where sometimes people will find a hard time to find a main because so many characters are good and some people feel like... Um, like because of because of the balancing it might be difficult for them to even like find like i i've actually heard some people find it hard 
to exhibit excitement with regards to certain characters because they think so many characters are good. But in my opinion, I I still think there's a lot to be excited about with regards to the game. There's a lot of characters that are untouched that people can invest more time in and flesh them more out. Um, for now, um, yeah, they have been definitely adding patches. Characters that might have been a little bit too strong aren't as strong, but they... I have yet to see a patch where characters that were like, I guess the only characters when it came to the game that got like a patch that made them not look like they were as top tier as they were before is like Pichu and Olimar. Pichu and Olimar they were characters that people were arguing were clear cut top five. Now mm-hmm. it looks like um, they're not quite top five, but they could still be really good characters in their own right. You know, like. There were some changes that were added to some of the characters that made them feel more normalized, more fair. Overall, so them a little bit. Yeah, I think the game is in a pretty good spot. It's still really fun for me to watch. There's still a lot of creativity when it comes to like some of the stuff that the players are putting together as far as approaches, combos, edge guards. Maybe in the beginning, a lot of combos at first looked really bland, but that's because it's the first year. Like, mm-hmm. combo, give us some time to you know go into the lab and figure some things out i I was so surprised when people were like man it just feels like in this game you blah 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 and you know you just spam this thing and then you you yield this thing and you just you know cookie cutter combos and i'm like that's funny how people are saying that in the beginning but now i'm watching tournaments and people are finding optimized follow-ups and setups and all sorts of traps in comparison to last year so Things are definitely looking good, even if the patches are coming. And I'm happy that they were healthy patches that don't completely gut a character. If anything, I've been seeing certain characters who were trash got better. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, if anything, the only character that I felt like got a patch that I wasn't in full agreement with was like King K. Rule. But I'm happy now that the patch, the, uh, the recent patches that the character got make it seem a little better. But it was weird that they did a patch on the character in the beginning based off of online feedback. I feel like online feedback, if it is valid, like more statistical base or like more, instead of like a people fueling, that's kind of, I, I don't want to have that mob mentality to you. Like, oh yeah, I guess we'll submit because people want it a certain way rather than because it's actually unbalanced. Uh, that, that would be annoying. Uh, and the question I have for you is that Let's say, because you're saying you, you start doing more commentating stuff, um, and you're also not just doing commentating on Smash and other games. I remember you were saying, you know, when we saw you uh, a few months ago, you were saying you're commenting other games as well. How long do you usually have to do your homework, like for games that you're not too familiar? Uh, there are times where I have to learn it literally the next day <laughs> or the same day. Um, like with Nintendo. I've had times where they wouldn't let me know what I'm going to be doing in advance until like the week of, and then I would fly in. Then I would have to actually like learn the game right then and there. Like when it came to smash Four Wii U, I Mm -hmm. flew in with frog scar and a whole bunch of other players. And on Monday we got a chance to try out the game. Then the next day we were up on stage cast. Uh, in front of like a big audience hyping them up about the game so we had to do our homework 
like right then and there immediately. And after realizing that, I remember when it came to like an arms invitational that Nintendo hit me up about way in advance for E3, I asked nicely if I could just get a copy of the game so before release so that I can actually be able to study the game because I'm gonna, like, I, I want to be able to, you know, this is not Smash where, you know, if it's Smash, regardless of whatever new iteration of Smash it is, I feel like... You have some I, background of it, yeah. Yeah, I have some, I have a firm background, right? So we can, we can do some comparing and contrasting to the previous game and we can just like understand what things are going on. But with ARMS, that's totally brand new. So I, was, yeah. I, I asked them if they could give me a chance to understand that game. Same with like Pokemon Company. When Pokemon Company brought me on to cast Pokemon Tournament for the first time, they heard me talk about the game on social media. They're like, hey, we heard you were pretty interested in this. Uh, would you uh, be interested in casting this game? We saw your your resume. We've seen what you've done in the past, and you fit the bill. So I was like, yeah, I'm totally down. And they flew me out, myself and Mark Mann from the Tekken scene. Mm-hmm. We got a chance to like try out the game one day in advance. We saw Justin Wong and like a whole bunch of other FGC pros that were there, and they were like trying the game Rip. If you know Rip from Tekken, it was great. Like we had a bunch of friends from the Tekken scene that were there, Street Fighter, etc. Tasty Steve was there too. Mm-hmm. Tasty Steve is such a character. Um, yeah, it was great. We had such an amazing time. It was a bonding moment for us. But as far as like, how long do I have before I have to actually understand these games and cast them? Sometimes you have to learn a day in advance. Sometimes you have to learn right then and there, the morning of, and then you get tossed into the lion's den. So, yeah. It's it tricky that sometimes you have to figure out things to say that you're like, I'm not too sure, but like I still have to keep talking. And <laughs> yeah, they're like, we 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 know you could do improv. Best of luck. So, but usually, <laughs> thankfully, due to the fact that most of these most of these companies are insistent on doing run of shows, I'd have to say at least a day in advance because. The day in advance, you get a chance to play the game. Then they do the walkthrough. They show you where you have to go on stage, what seat you have to sit in, mic test, one, two, one, two. All that needs to be done a day in advance. So mm-hmm. at least a day for sure. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I, I, I'm not that great when it comes to video games. So that would, I mean, I'm very good at improv. I'm very good at like ellipse, like on the spot. I can do stage work. Not a problem. Yeah. But when you tell me, commentating games like oh man i like i would be so confused i'm like yes he's hitting him i think with an item <laughs> he's like all right it looks like he got the opening yeah dude um with just so many years you know just playing uh, fighting games you, um it, it, no matter what the rules may be for that game if you get the basic fundamentals you can translate that into a commentary like super easy that just comes with years of practice right and hearing mm-hmm. all that we repeat over and over when it comes to commentary like think of like boxing right you see a person mm-hmm. over a strike like a swing and then they miss so then you whiff punish them because basically if you go for a swing and you miss you basically whiff your attack right so mm-hmm. whiff punish um basically means that a person is punishing the whiff from their opponent the missed attack from their opponent so you'll hear little things like that you know, so on and so forth. You'll talk about the spacing, sizing of the opponent, um, uh, just like all sorts of different things. Of course, when you first start a game, you can't really know if a combo is optimal, but you do know if a combo mm. is a the type that carries the opponent to the corner, which can set up for a pressure scenario, so on and so forth, right? So juggling and all kinds of stuff, yeah. 
yeah, those little things they they come in handy. But um, yeah, I, I love I love fighting games, and I love the people that come from them too because I've been exposed to so many different communities, and there's just like a fire, you know, like an uh, a, a a fire, a passion that I that that has like no filter in mm-hmm. comparison to many of the other scenes that I've been to. Well, fighting games, you know, it's just and it's cool to see when it comes to fighting games that there's clearly a support of just like pushing for a lot of variety or just representation you uh, mm-hmm. a perfect example something like an evo you'll see all the casters that get hired for an evo and it's a rainbow it's just a wide array of people all different sizes colors you know shapes uh, uh yeah shape sizes etc basically mm-hmm, yeah trying to say that it's a variety of people right so it's cool to see all types of representation whenever it comes to the talent and the people that are playing and mm-hmm. to see like cool storylines of like we had a person who came from if i'm not mistaken it was uh, uh pakistan or saudi arabia uh-huh. just like from the from the middle east to see a player come from there actually be a badass tekken player like that's cool right it's like mm-hmm. we never to see it from there and then you actually get to see things like that. So I like getting a chance to see representation from all around the world and not just to focus on one particular type. You know, like um, sometimes people complain about when it comes to other scenes. And one of the reasons why I mentioned this is because mm-hmm. there are times where people from other communities can be toxic when they see different people, right? They'll be mm-hmm. like, well, this is different. And then they toss in whatever kind of word they use to, you know, talk about those kind of people who are different. But um, when it comes to fighting games, we're so used to seeing different kinds of people <laughs> and we're always in intimate settings, which is another thing that I like about it because we go to events and we're sitting side by side. We mm-hmm. prioritize having offline events more so than online. And because of that, we're always exposed to all different kinds of people. We don't freak out when we see, we see different kinds of people. We accept everyone's differences and realize that everyone's a human. At and I feel of- like if you talk smash, you throw down, then let's play. <laughs> like yeah. you win, then okay, you got some legitimacy to you. Uh, yeah. If you if you can beat me, then you know what? Good luck, champ. Uh, the thing is, like, I have a question too. Like when it comes to you saying, like, you know, you, all these people, you know, different race, different like size, different background, all this stuff. But what about games? Are there like more hierarchy when it comes to games? Like, is a Smash player more desirable than a DBZ? Uh, fighting game person uh fighter z or like oh you play this you play tekken you're not a smash player you're just a tekken player is that a thing like it's like a weird hierarchy like oh you play this game you're more higher up there than the other i have definitely noticed um at times where there are people who will dog on others for playing a different game and they'll try to say like oh if you're a smash player you don't know how to do complex inputs like you know half circles or short you cans or you know like terry came out right for smash brothers and when terry came out from the fatal fury series um and king of fighters people were like oh smash players probably don't even know how to do all the inputs for a super and things like that and a lot of times you'll sometimes hear people from fighting games say oh if you're a smash player um, you probably don't know how to play real fighting games. And I understand where they come from with that. Because a lot of times Smash players will usually just play Smash and games like Smash. Mm-hmm. There are times where you'll see Smash players go into other fighting games like the Street Fighters, the Dragon Ball Fighters, etc. But a lot of time there is not as much crossover. And because of that, 
um, the people from the FGC sometimes, um, you know, they'll like throw little jabs at the Smash Brothers community for that. Whereas when it comes to the fighting game um, community, you'll see a lot of people just hop around to different games. You'll sometimes see people that play Blaze Blue or Guilty Gear hop into Street Fighter or Marvel or sometimes even Tekken or Soul Calibur. So like when it comes to those games, like you'll see people just hop all over the place and they'll show respect to people who play the, the games that they play. But then like you'll sometimes see that weird gap where it's like, oh, if you play like Smash Brothers, though, it's like, you know, you're totally different. Oh, you're playing kids game like the real way to play it is with items, you know, um, like you guys are trying to force a competitive game out of a game that's supposed to be fun. So like we've had those weird um weird interactions and they still happen to this day where they're like smash is not a fighting game you know so as far as smash and other fighting games concerned yeah but when it comes to all the other fighting games that i mentioned like the 3d fighting games like soul caliber tekken the capcom fighting games like street fighter um dark stalkers etc and even just like the uh anime fighting games like uniclear um and uh grand blue fantasy versus etc then even like the versus games like marvel versus capcom and so on and so forth dragon ball fighters those games you see people they'll celebrate each other's fighting game usually more i think uh, just to not make it look like i'm painting a bad picture of the entire fighting game community the more well-known and more well-respected Fighting game fans like the Justin Wongs, the Mike Rosses, the Gutex, you know, um, like K Brads and so on and so forth, like all the well known people, Yipes, uh, you know, James Chen, South Killian, all of them, they will recognize other fighting games, even if it's like a Smash fighting game. And they respect it, they respect everybody's hustle, the time that they put in. But it's more so the, you know, the trolls that have the veil of anonymity, they're behind their monitor. <laughs> Nobody knows who they are. They just have a username that they can probably change and an IP address that they can do just the same with. So they'll just throw all the vitriol, the toxicity at people and not care. You know, they'll just be like, yeah, whatever. Uh, your, your game is not a real fighting game. This, that, and the third. And it, sometimes, Martin, even when it comes to the other fighting games that you're speaking of within FGC, there sometimes might be times where people will try to dog on the quote-unquote, you know, real fighting games or the more orthodox fighting games, right? Like, it, it, it's been a recent trend to dog on Street Fighter V, whereas Street Fighter Four was amazing. Street Fighter mm. V, people just feel like, you know, wasn't that good. So now because of that, people are, like, trying to, like, crap on it um, nowadays. And they're like, yeah, you know, if you want to play real fighting games, you know, play anime fighting games because they take more execution or blah, blah, blah. So sometimes you'll see that, but it's not like, I don't think it's so prevalent to the point where people have to make a video or an article about it. It's just something that it's something that small pockets or groups of people will say just because they might have an inferiority inferiority complex and they want to feel better because their life is already such crap. You know, and you always have those people who are the loudest because they are doesn't mean they're right, but they also have lots of free time. So you have all lots of trolls, a lot of haters who just want to make a scene. And then, you know, I mean, that kind of reminded me of a movie I watched yesterday. Uh, it's the Daniel Radcliffe movie. Um, the um, Gun Akibo or something like that. It was where he... Have you saw that? Like where he like got guns like nailed to his hand and he had to go shoot someone. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun... It's an interesting thing, you know? It's very Sounds not like... like I'm down. Gun, gun Akibo. 
Akimbo? Akimbo, yeah, there you go. Someone in chat mentioned that, but yeah. So mm-hmm. is he was a troll. That's what he was. He's like hiding behind like, uh, you know, anonymous and like just like smash, like smack talking everybody. And then, then he's like, oh, he got a taste of being, being put in the game. So that that's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, true. I need to check that out, dude. Now that you mentioned it, though, so I can come it's back. It's a fun to movie. I, I think I enjoyed it. It's fun. I mean, I it's one of those movies that you can't put really logic into it. It's one of those like, all right, I'll just, you know, suspense and disbelief for a while because normal world that's not going to work too well yeah. um i do have one last question for you too uh i don't want to keep it too long though but where do you see fgc gonna be also like how how always will you consider the industry as a whole like for fighting game stuff because you know i see esport in general still kind of in its teenage years like it's not even like it's not infancy anymore you know we have bigger structures there's money involved there's sponsors there's like uh you know like ESPN actually have like a esports channel stuff. It's getting bigger and bigger. So it's kind of like a teenager kind of teenage years. But is FGC like close around that line or you think it's still very infancy or like where are we at and what is going to be the next stage? I mean, I feel like as far as Smash is concerned, we're a self-sustaining community that does their best to continue to find ways to reiterate no matter what, even if that means um, without the backing of the IP holders. Um, But if we ever were to have a chance where like Nintendo were to step in and actually like support in a big way to the point where a lot of us who've been dedicated to the community for such a long time can actually like be able to have the same kind of, the same kind of jobs within the company, just like, I guess seeing like, let's think of like a Riot Dash, right? And all those other guys when it comes to Riot. Like they're just like staple, uh, staple talent that will always get opportunities within Riot to do like casting gigs. And you know, when it comes to like production teams, they will always be reached out to do the production. Um, the tournament organizers will always be reached out to host a certain events. Like it would be cool if there's opportunities for those uh, people who have like put in blood, sweat, and tears to have an actual like steady, steady gig as opposed to. Just like straight up freelance, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, something where even the people, the players invested would be three to five thousand plus people in a bracket and leave with way more than just like four digits, you know, um, mm-hmm. and something like that. Like they, these guys, they go to war when they go to these events and it's an endurance test. It's three days of straight up battles and sometimes they won't make more than ten thousand dollars and that's like sus you know so um i think it would be really cool to just see opportunities for a lot of these guys who invest so much in smash to get more out of it um instead of Mm -hmm. just like a small select group of people right because like of course there's some people who are doing pretty well but we want to be able to widen that gap we want to we want everybody to be able to eat and so so this is interesting then because like a lot of other games that has tournaments like as you said league with riot or like epic games that do fortnite they're backed by the company so yeah. then is it do you think it's better that the companies are doing it or is it going to be more control but also the second question is how are you guys doing it right now with smash if nintendo is not like green lighting it is it like like kind of like a nobody talk about it kind of thing where it's like we don't you, you, we don't talk about it we don't have a situation you know kind of policy or how does that work 
So Nintendo is just like super duper hands off. They understand that the community exists as they've brought on members of the community to be part of like cool promotions for future games and stuff. They're like, hey, we're going to do like a, a cool opportunity where we get to showcase this game and we'll give you players free hotel, free ticket to go to E3 and compete and win something dope and get a chance to meet like the maker of the game and play the game, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to our community, um, they've stated many times that they're trying to be more hands-off with regard to how they... Is it better? Uh, how, uh, how things are done with the community. I think, for one, that can be a good thing because a lot of us already figured out ways to do things in the scene. And if they got super heavy-handed and things uh, took a turn for the worse, it probably would leave a salty taste in the mouths of many. So... Um, we've had times where they've endorsed events, and because of that, there have been like um, contracts where certain things aren't able to be done on broadcasts. And because of that, people were like, "Man, I wonder if this is like a sign of what would happen if they actually were more um, controlled." You know, when it came to the tournaments, mm-hmm. um, only time can tell, right? So, as far as like the fighting game scene is concerned, the rest of the fighting game scene, those guys are doing pretty well. We see Arc System Works; they're putting together like. Um, numerous tours for their games. Bandai Namco had like a Dragon Ball Z World Tour, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters World Tour. They mm-hmm. have a like, tour for Soul Calibur, World Tour for Tekken. Capcom has a World Tour for Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. So those guys are all good. They're all eating their, you know, they're, they're, I'm seeing my boys like weekend in and out. You know, they're getting like all their stuff paid by the company, like comped flights, comped hotels by the company. Not so much like when it comes to Smash. Like these tournament organizers will have a budget and they'll like they'll raise money. And then after they raise money, they will allocate funds towards getting talent and getting uh, teams to help with running the event, um, production, all that stuff. Right. Volunteers. Like there's a mm-hmm. whole bunch of stuff. And then even paying for the venue. If like one of the trade offs that I'll be happy for is to see people who run these events that go through so much work to have to host these events leave actually positive instead of barely breaking even you know Mm -hmm. so it's like some of these tournament organizers they'll work their tail off and they'll have to pay everybody off for their work and then they probably can't even come back with um much to even show for all the work that they've done that weekend i mean people as far as i know that is everyone i have met in the fgc people are very passionate passionate they they love it and they're they they enjoy it and they could always like and that I feel like make them more appreciated of each other too. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and uh, I, like, I mean, like that a lot. Yeah, I was just gonna say when it comes to that, it's because of the fact that back then when we played, there was never any discussion about money, clout, whatever, being popular. All people did was they liked a game, they wanted to be good at the game, and they well, they realized there were other people better than them. And they felt challenged, so they're like, "No, I'm better. I or if I'm not better now, I want to be better than you, so I could beat you down." And it would form like actual, authentic, genuine rivalries. And you'd mm-hmm. see people who are also fans of the game. They would see certain people, you know, these personalities clash, and they're like talking mess to each other. They would beat each other, and they're like, "What now?" You know, and the crowd would pop off. It would be like a schoolyard brawl, or you know, like a cafeteria fight, right? Where you just mm-hmm. see. It's running on the table. Oh crap! You know, uh, Jim and Bim—they're going at it again. And uh, I think it's just—it was so cool to just see that raw passion from all those players. Nobody cared about money. Like the money was only used 
to like um put a quarter in like that arcade machine for a person to go get next and i think like in this current age where a lot of people are trying to get signed to teams and like and all that stuff and get sponsors sometimes that can be lost in translation with the new generation and some people might feel that also that you know things are just so weird and more corporate that they think the old way you know the old passion that people used to have is not there anymore now people are literally just playing for money and not so much because they like the game so mm. i it's interesting. I think I see the uh, same crossover in the cosplay world. You know, when we first started doing cosplay, there's no fame, no money, uh, none of that. We just did it because we really enjoy, you know, what, what we love. Like for me, it was photography. I, I came in, I, how I got started, if you don't mind me telling you, but yeah, I got started is uh, a high school friend of mine was like, hey, Martin, you do photos, right? And I'm like, yes. And, you know, that was when I was in college. And um, she remembered I was like a, a editor, the photo editor for the school newspaper and did, you know, a lot of photography stuff since at a very young age. So she was like, hey, uh, how you like to come to uh, Fandome, you know, and then you can take a picture of me in cosplay. And I'm like, cos, what? Like, what, what is that? <laughs> I had no idea. So I went to my first cosplay event, which was Fandome. So that's always my home con now, um, except it's not going on this year. Very sad. But now, yeah. But now I'm like, Ever since that day, I have been nonstop. And to the point that I think my friend who asked me to go, don't really go to, they don't really go to con convention anymore, but I still keep going for nonstop for the so, so many years in the last decade. So yeah, at first, you know, and I luckily, you know, people like my work and I keep shooting, I keep, you know, love what I do. And that luckily got me a following because of that. But again, in the beginning, it was not for money, not for fame. There was no Instagram. There was no money involved, so we just very loved it, uh, and then now we still do. But again, you no, know, because now there's more money now. Then you get a lots of people coming in doing it for a different reason or doing it for different kind of um. And they see it differently too, and it's harder because to me, I feel like they're not building the same. Um, I'm not saying love, but like it's it's just different because I feel like they're lacking a little little bit of personality, mostly because like. They don't know who they are. They saw what people did and they want to be like them, but they don't know who they are to get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hearing you say this, it just reminds me of times where I may know people who are too focused on the numbers. Whereas, <laughs> you know, a person like me, sometimes I might have a good day and where the numbers are great. Sometimes I might have a bad day where the numbers aren't so great, but... I always try to not focus too much on that, you know, and instead I'm just like, all right, what what did you do wrong here? What could be improved on? Let's not dwell on whatever happened in the past. Like, um, if anything, look at this as an opportunity to improve. I, if, if like, if things aren't looking so good right now, maybe that's because people know you can challenge yourself and make yourself better. And don't just be upset that you're not getting the instant gratification because you saw somebody else who was a great success story at a, at the time back then, you know, where it's like, oh, I know this person. I was inspired by them. I want to do this, too. They do it. They realize they're not being immediately successful. They're upset. And it's like, don't look, don't be inspired by them because of the fact that they were successful and made money in that field. Look at how they go about um, being successful, being willing to fail right mm -hmm. and learn 
and to like you know internalize whatever it is that they might have learned from their uh, failures. Like you can't just look at their look at the end result of whatever a person has, and then you get inspired. You want to more so see the journey, whatever they've gone through, and learn from that, and understand that sometimes things can go awry, and you have to be able to pick yourself up and mm-hmm. keep because everyone's journey is different, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. For people like us too, and. I, that's why I wanted to start this podcast. Uh, many people just got started. They always thought that, oh, we came in and we got this out of nowhere and just straight into like magically. But no, we have failed a lot. Maybe not you. I don't know. I personally have failed. No, I, I failed too, man. <laughs> I think it, it would be a lie. <laughs> we yeah. would literally be lying to everybody if we were to act like everything always goes perfect and according to plan. Yeah, no, like exactly. So, uh, but they're all great learning experience. So for everyone that who are just starting out, like I would say, at least start, get started. If you don't start, you'll never get to where you want to be. And I, I feel like a lot of us feel the same way too. You know, we always think, man, I wish we started earlier. Um, but, you know, we, but that is the mindset that means we have been doing it. So our, I guess my biggest advice for most people who want to get into the, creative space content creation whatever is just do it like this lighting this mic everything was horrible when i first started the show if you watch the first episode oh man i that was a huge learning curve compared to photography but you know after a few weeks this is week 11 now and i think i'm getting better i'm still improving but i'm getting better and better yeah dude i i i'm happy to hear it right that's what everybody should also understand like you again it's a journey and you will continue to get better and better find where you are lacking and take note of that see whatever it is that you need to get better at and work towards that make it a goal write it down i realized that one of the things that actually helped me get things done is to go in a google doc write it down go in a google calendar make uh, put the time down. I, I mean, even when it came to uh, this interview, right? I was like, yeah, can you make a Google calendar invite. And then you're like, sure. And I was like, awesome. And the but moment even I- when, yeah, even if you didn't ask me, that's how I've been doing it too. Cause like we, we have all different schedule, you know, I don't want to assume people have to remember things. Cause I, I kind of forgetful sometimes cause there's so many different things going on. So mm-hmm. I was going to make a calendar invite regardless just to send yeah. it over. So, you know, when, and also, you know, exactly what it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. hopefully that was pretty clear and nice to have okay. a, oh, a reminder. Yeah. 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 That was great. And I got that from, from Twitch too. Twitch taught me a lot of amazing business practices where it's like, okay, you'd like to have an interview, uh, with me or like a conversation with me. Let's set up a Google calendar invite. And if I'm having a text conversation with somebody and I'm trying to explain something and you're not mm-hmm. quite explaining it, uh, you're not quite getting it. Then mm-hmm. let's hop on the call real quick so I can let you know exactly, you know, what I meant. And it probably might be better that they hear your voice so they understand that if you're giving anybody feedback, that it's coming from a good place and you're not upset or anything like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of times where there are a lot of the great things that I've taken from Twitch that, um, yeah, I found it really invaluable. And if I, anybody gets a chance to work there, please take the chance. I... You know, this is uh, two things, right? <laughs> I keep I keep tangenting, but a lot of content creators, especially in the cosplay scene, I always say this: bless their heart, they never had to work a desk job. Bless their heart. Oh wow! Uh, 
we have a lot of people who I feel like in the gaming space or cosplay or nerd space who, you know, uh, you know, made ma- a falling for themselves, you know, um, making good money, you know, good for them. Bless their hearts. Absolutely. But are so unprofessional because they have never worked a desk job. Like they don't <laughs> know how to adhere to a schedule. They don't know how to set up a meeting. They don't even know how to do emails. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow. Like I had this kid who, um, and I say kid, she's not young. She's just inexperienced in this form. She'd been doing cosplaying for like, I don't know, maybe five years professionally. Got it. Like that's her main source of income. Mm-hmm. But I hire her for events for a company. She does not know what a W9 is and do not know how to send me an invoice. Oh, no. I'm like, how the heck are you making money this whole time? Like, does Uncle <laughs> Sam know? Like, PayPal? Like, what? The- <laughs> yeah. That so I think she might be getting level? PayPal. I don't know. I'm just like, how are you doing in Texas? Like, you are, you're going to get in trouble one day if you don't know how to do this correctly. Like, Uncle Sam going to come find you and going to break yeah, down yeah. your door. Yeah. Yeah. That's- but when you were at Twitch, so before this, right, I used to work in Silicon Valley, uh, especially some social media company. So I don't tell people I worked there when I worked there. Did you had did you do that when you're at Twitch at certain points or something? Or like I mean in the end people know, but in the beginning did you try to hide it because are people bugging you about getting partner or any of that? Um so being a person that was on the community team, like part of the partnerships department, I had to make sure that people understood I was the guy to go to, especially when it came to like Nintendo related stuff. I initially got hired for Smash Brothers. So the job was to identify, recruit and strengthen alongside maintain the relationships with the mm-hmm. broadcasters on the platform. Talk to numerous uh, people in media about Smash Brothers, uh, assist with international scenes, assist with collegiate and all sorts of stuff but yeah the main thing was just making sure to acquire and um also retain right uh Mm -hmm. the the talent that we brought on and uh, try our best to also celebrate all the cool events that are also happening because they already had a good idea of like what the big events were when it came to other esports like t1 the international right uh ti sorry ti the international Mm -hmm. Um, that would, of course, be on the front page. And same thing with, like, um, Worlds, right, for League of Legends, et cetera, et cetera. But they didn't know what the big kahunas were for, like, fighting games or Smash even. So I had to be that guy to let them know, like, hey, this weekend we're having a big major. It would be great if we had, like, uh, promotion for this event and whatnot. And we'll get the assets and we'll do what we got to do. And boom, all of a sudden, people are like, man, that's super cool. Like, Twitch is actually acknowledging that Smash is legitimate. And mm. that's like something that I did behind the scenes, you know? And there would be times where, let's say there's a new Nintendo game comes out, and the box art is not up to date, or they wouldn't have a directory for the game. I would be the guy that would just ping my team and let them know, hey, guys, there's a game that's coming out in a day, or the game's out right now, and we don't have art for it, or we didn't even have a directory for it. And people will have a tough time with the discovery. So let's help out with that. Oh, yeah, thanks, D1. You know, a bunch of little things here and there I assisted with behind the scenes to just give feedback wherever I can to make sure communities felt, you know, like they like they were legitimized on the platform, like they were cared about on the platform. And mm. yeah, yeah, I, I definitely did not hide who I was. A lot of people know who I was. And if anything went awry, 
the common thing would be if you were from fighting games or smash and you needed help it'd be like hit up d1 he always helps so i always had like my dms were to the top with just fighting game people asking for assistance they want to know about twitch oh i got banned and i was like i'm not on the moderation team can't help you there um you know like i can like guide them and let them know what what they can actually do but like i can't guarantee a person getting unbanned or banned that's not my mm-hmm. jurisdiction so that's good that's respectable i mean I, I mean again that show how much you have love for that community that you were in still in even though after you go to twitch and even now you're out of twitch i'm sure that still carry through yeah, yeah, I'm still, I still do whatever I can for the community. There's still people that hit me about, up about Twitch stuff. They're like, I know you don't work there, but I know you know everything. Could you like at least like you know guide me because nobody's hitting uh, like answering me. And I'm like, all right, what is it that you need? And they're like, yeah, could you explain this? And I'm like, all right, this, this, and this, and the you know, and the third, and boom. Oh, thanks, man. I didn't even know that was there. And I'm like, don't worry. And I'm like, dang it, Twitch, I'm still working for you guys, even though I'm not working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the same too. There's many uh, things I help with content creators, especially cosplayer and streamers. Now, how to maximize their platform? How to you know do their Patreon stuff? Like just how to make things better for them? And they always just come to me about it. And you know, it, it feels good. It feels good to help people that can, because a lot of these <clears throat> people that we know are just doing things to better themselves. You know, creating better content. And I want them to be able to do that so they can do more. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, D1, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, stay on the line. But like, I, I, uh, before I let you go, where can people find you? Oh, absolutely, no problem. So, um, where can people find me? I am X D1X literally on all platforms. So that is on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Reddit. We just got a subreddit recently. Um, Instagram. I think the only place where, oh yeah, Tumblr as well. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to move forward. Uh, But yeah, uh, uh, (laughs) lastly, Facebook is d1.smash. I tried to get xd1x there, but apparently somebody has that. So I was like, whatever, I'll just make this my Facebook. It's my, like, probably my least used platform, but I know international people that use Facebook, right? More than other platforms. So, Mm -hmm. like, Facebook used to be much more engaging, but they change it. I mean, it's not the worst thing because they did do it because then you see more friends and family stuff instead of page. So, I mean, it is what people ask for. So I guess they didn't listen to people and it's just a side effect to it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, you also stream. Uh, how often do you stream now and when? So I broadcast daily. Um, usually, my usual schedule is 9 p.m. to 2 a.m. on Mondays through Thursdays. Mm-hmm. But with COVID happening, I was like, screw it. We're just going to go balls to the wall. So I've been marathon streaming where literally every single day since like early March, I never took a day off yet. Like I've had times where we'd have long streams, short streams, but never a day where we didn't stream whatsoever. So okay. well, you deserve yeah. that one case up. Congrats again, my brother. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. It's been a super fun journey, and I just hope to continue to achieve more and to just make more people happy within the community, too. Hmm. So for everyone that's watching right now, please go also follow uh, D1 and, of course, you know, join his stream later tonight as well. Uh, you can also, of course, watch this later on Twitch, on YouTube. Uh, I'm Modern One Photo. You know, find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, join our Discord. 
sign up for Patreon for bonus content, whatever you like. Uh, stay safe, you know, wash your hands. And I'll see you all next time, guys. So, bye.